Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Craig, you picked this week's movie. It is 2022. It's fresh. It's fresh on the menu. Uh, <laughs> You're so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know. You, you do this week after week. We're on our 342nd episode right now. Jeez. Um, can I like shake it up a little bit? Try to be original? <laughs> is there any you originality? Can try, I guess. Is there, is, <laughs> is there any originality left in the world anymore? <laughs> Segway into this, this week's uh, movie, The Menu, 2022, directed by Mark Mylod and starring of Bevy of famous actors, not the least of which Ralph Fiennes. And I don't know if there's a single movie in the last two decades that's been amazing that he hasn't been in. Uh, This guy's everywhere. (laughs) It's crazy. And this movie, um, well, I had never even heard of it before, but that's mostly because I'm in China, so I'm kind of out of the loop with movies. But you recommended it. What what made you... uh, decide to do this this week uh i don't remember why i picked it for this week but i remember when it came out i I remember seeing trailers i don't remember it must have been on some streaming service they were showing trailers and it looked interesting uh and just one of the good things about this movie is um even in their advertising they didn't reveal a whole lot Mm. You could tell that it was going to be suspenseful. You could tell that the stakes were going to be high. There was one line. It's a funny line in the movie where one character says, uh, no, we're going to die tonight. And another character's like, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and and I, that line was in it, so I knew the stakes were going to kind of be high. But that's kind of it as far as the premise went. But it looked really well, ma- well made. And it's got a pretty amazing cast. It's remarkable. Yeah, I mean, these, gosh, the the people, I, I hesitate to say that they're not A-list stars, because they are, yeah. really, most of them, um, but they are not, some of them are not your typical um, leads. Y- you, you'll know virtually everybody in this cast. You'll recognize virtually everybody in this cast. Um, and they're all fantastic. A- and I like that about the movie, too. It feels, even though it focuses on a couple of main characters, it really feels like an ensemble piece. Yes, it does. And I was interested and invested in all of the characters. Yeah. So, and that, I think that says a lot about a movie because it, it's a big cast. So to be invested and interested in all of them, uh, I think that, that says something good. No, I think you're right. I mean, all very experienced actors and the acting in this movie is fantastic. Even though the premise is, is absurd and hilarious, this, this movie is a very, very dark comedy, basically. Mm-hmm. So dark that it actually bothered me a little bit. <laughs> I, I last time I watched a movie that was such a dark comedy that it kind of got under my skin and um, I had a hard time falling asleep the next day was Very Bad Things. Do you remember that one back in the nineties? No, Did you see that? I don't know. God, it's like about a bachelor party gone awry, you know, where somebody gets killed and then horrible things just start happening after that. Mm. And it's like you want to laugh, but the things that are happening are so bad that you feel icky. You know, Mm. and this movie really toyed with my maybe I'm just a sensitive guy, but like this movie really toyed with me back and forth. I had to keep reminding myself, this is not real. This is a comedy. (laughs) You know, Um, it's so parody. I mean, it's such a comedy that I've read some criticisms online that say it's a bit too much. 
You know, there are people that complain that it's um, uh, just too on the nose, you know, Um, Mm. but I don't agree. (laughs) I mean, it is very on the nose, but I thought the aesthetic was great. I thought that was a fine movie because of it. And because these cooking shows and this whole culture of foodies or whatever that it's parodying are very much like that. Don't get me wrong. I love cooking shows. And I love watching travel series about food in different places. And I have watched documentaries about Noma and at least two or three of the other famous, like, hot cuisine, you know, innovative, like, crazy out there restaurants that this movie is parodying. And so while I was watching it, I was quite giddy, you know, Mm -hmm. because I felt like this is definitely in my interest, even though I don't myself, I, I also think it's silly. Think what was that this kind of cuisine is a little silly. Like, I oh. like the idea that there are people out there doing crazy things with food and making weird, odd presentation because it's like art, you know, it's it's like right. uh, it's like food is art in a way. So I like that in the same sense, like I don't buy in that this is very important to society. I don't buy in that, um, and, and I and I think there's a very like a class element to it where this is only accessible for very very rich people, right? And so it kind of ends up becoming quite pre- pretentious, and so you know that's just not that's not my class. I don't know. Maybe if I was a very very rich person, I hung out with my peers in that way, then I I would think differently about it. But and the same level, I would want to eat at a place like Noma. I would probably be chuckling the whole time through, you know? So I I really related to everything this movie was trying to say from that sort of social commentary angle. And I, I just loved it. I just really enjoyed that aspect of it because at the one hand, I was fascinated by even the dishes and, right. you know, the environment and the chef's attitude and everybody's attitude there. At the same time, I had no problem laughing at it because I thought, yeah, it's like they're reading my mind. You know, I make fun of these people all the time. <laughs> sure. And I, I want to hope I'm not one of them, you know. It, I don't know. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is this is heavy on social commentary. Yeah. Some people have criticized it as being too heavy. I don't agree. I think that's the whole point. I think the things that they're commenting are themselves ripe for parody. So, you know, you get a huge pass there. And nobody's really – I don't think anybody's really done a horror movie like this before in this territory. So I kind of liked it. Oh, no. I've seen – see, that's the thing. Gosh. What have you seen? That, that was a lot what you just said sorry like, <laughs> you gotta respond no, to my verbal diarrhea here <laughs> <laughs> well, that's gonna be hard because there were like 15 times where i wanted to jump in but you were just on a roll so i wanted to let you go um but i i feel like right here out of the gate you're kind of getting into what the heart of the movie is like yes it's a movie about food you know and and culinary culture and foodie culture and all of that stuff and food as art and who is consuming that because it's limited to a very specific audience. Like that is specifically the impetus of the movie. But I think the reason that I, I don't know, I don't think it affected me as much as it did you, but it made me think a lot. I really felt like this movie was a thinker Mm. because I think that the food element of it is meant to be representative of any art form that one may be passionate about. Sure. It's about so passion, where, yeah. Right. So whereas you say you kind of chuckle at, you know, these fancy 
you know, platings and, and things. And, and I do too, even though I, I really do appreciate the beauty of it. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, I do look at it like art and, and frankly, I, that's usually the only way that I get to consume it because I see it on TV. So I don't know if this food tastes good or not, but it sure does look pretty. I actually do appreciate that. But if you chuckle at it, do you also chuckle at like modern abstract art? Like, you you know, an eight by eight white canvas with a red square in the corner and a splash of blue on the side. Like I do, but it's it's a qualified chuckle. You know what I'm saying? I think it's silly sometimes when you go to an art gallery and the artist's piece is... a banana is, nailed to the wall. Yeah, you know, is taped to the wall. And then it becomes almost like a commentary on itself. And it's like, this is a, actually a commentary on art because art sometimes is stupid. And so we're doing the stupid thing, you know. And I, I buy into all that. I get it. I think it's kind of crazy that people are lining up around the block to go stare at a banana that's been duct taped to the wall. I mean, I read about it. I saw a picture of it. Do I want to be there in person? Do I need to be there in person to see it and pay like a whole bunch of money to do that? You know, probably not. And I think at some level, there's a part of me that's just a little uncomfortable at at getting too serious about it. Because at the end of the day, art is art. And while we all appreciate it, I think art is very important. I mean, God, you and I will you know, I think are totally on the same page. Oh, yeah, of course. Here. Yeah. We think art is, is, is uh, the soul of humanity, really. Yeah. That being said, on an individual case-by-case basis, like, what's more important? You know, there, there are bigger fish to fry in the world. There's, there's, there's people who are starving who can't even get anything to eat. Right. And so then you've got people on the other end who are paying, you know, several thousands of dollars to eat, you know, six morsels of food that are prepared by a team of 12 chefs who are being worked to the bone uh, over tiny, tiny little details, not getting any sleep under chefs who are very um, notoriously demanding and angry and abusive. Right. Over what? You know, so that these rich people can have a spoonful of some essence of something or whatever that's put put into a little pellet or whatever. And like I said, I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the thought. I appreciate the artistry of it. But in sort of the greater social scheme, which again, like you said, this movie's commenting on this kind of thing. I, I don't want to get too obsessive about it lest I kind of like lose my grounding in life. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I understand what you're saying, and that's what the movie is talking about, or at least in part. You know, um, oh gosh, I don't know how to say it without kind of jumping to the end, but it, it's about, you know, who has access to this food or who has access to this art and how, in what way do they appreciate it, if at all. But But what I'm saying and I think that you were kind of saying the same thing, is that art is subjective and we don't all appreciate it in the same way. Like, I usually think that whoever taped the banana to the wall, I think that those artists are trolling much in the way that the chef in this movie is trolling. Right. Kind of. You know what I mean? He's definitely trolling, yeah. Right. But I also think that there are some people who are very passionate about their art and maybe I just don't understand it or appreciate it, um, but they really are passionate about it. It's difficult 
to tell the difference. Right. You said the last thing, last thing, you said, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this before. I have seen probably, I don't know, a handful of movies about people who are so passionate about their art and so competitive about their art that it drives them to lunacy. Sure. Like Black Swan, um, or there was a movie on Netflix, I think, called The Perfection with these competing uh, instrumentalists. I don't remember if they played the piano or the violin or what. Showgirls. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, well, you, you you get what I'm saying. Like, I know what you people mean. People who are people who are so passionate about their art that they will go to whatever means necessary to accomplish what they want to accomplish, or or make their point, or well, whatever. I mean, at some level, like most of the serial killer type horror movies, or something like that, or about somebody who's passionate about something. Whether it's literally killing people, whether it's women, whether you know that they feel like they're in the wrong skin or something. I mean, I mean, yeah. And then you know, knock that down a little bit and talk about it restricted just to art. Okay, yeah, there are definitely movies like that too. And then if you knock it down another level and take it to the kitchen and hot cuisine like this, that's what I was talking about. I don't think I've. The only other movie I can think of that has kind of dealt with this very specific subject matter in this way is, um, I think, is a Peter Greenaway movie called The The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover. Have you ever seen that? No. I would almost call it a horror movie. It's maybe not. A, it's, it's more drama, tragic drama kind of thing, although it has a more horrific ending. But it takes place in a high-end French restaurant with um, a couple foodies and... There's a couple who um, meets up uh, in secret here at this restaurant. The whole place, the whole movie almost never leaves this restaurant. And then it kind of goes to sinister ends. But uh, in terms of, yeah, this this very specific subject matter, I don't know if I've, yeah. I've really seen it before. So There's a movie that you should watch called The Platform, which is also a movie that uses food as a metaphor for the haves and have-nots. It's a really cool movie. <laughs> That's not the one where people are on different platforms and trying to. Uh huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know that had anything to do with food. <laughs> yeah, because the, what it is is it's this prison, but the cells are stacked vertically, and every day food descends from the top. But and it's like all of this amazing gourmet food prepared much in the same way that this food is here, oh. like with 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 ultimate care and it's just this enormous platform of all this gourmet food but as it descends you just have to grab whatever you can and you have to eat it right then you can't save anything you have to eat it um but it continues to descend so the people at the top get whatever they want well they get great food but the people a hundred and some things down get scraps or whatever interesting um but it's interesting because it becomes a metaphor about you know the haves and the have-nots and Mm. they realize of course people down below realize that if the people up above would just ration then they there would be plenty of food for everybody but they don't and so it becomes a whole societal thing it's a great movie but that's not the movie we're talking about (laughs) the movie we're talking about is the menu and what I there are many many things that I like about this, so I should just start with some of the easy ones. I think that it's just beautifully shot. Like, oh yeah, it just looks fantastic. It's a lot of close up work uh, because it's very character driven, but the environments look great. And of course, you know this is direction, but also you know design uh, as well. But the locations look fantastic. Like it starts out on this dock, and uh, we meet our main characters, and oh, I don't even know like. 
if you haven't figured it out yet, I really liked this movie. <laughs> Me um, too. And I feel no. like I feel like there's so much to say about it that I don't know where to start. That's why I'm trying to get the little things out of the way. It, we'll we'll come back to the dock in just a second. But <laughs> this this group of people take a ferry over to an island to go to this exclusive restaurant. You know, it you, it's only accessible by the ferry. You know, it's super exclusive, super super expensive, whatever. And this whole group of people's going, um, and and the island that they go to looks beautiful you know like they all walk down the beach that's all you know like covered in like huge driftwood and stuff it looks remote and fantastic and Mm -hmm. then you know they they walk like through this compound you know it's just this beautiful uh landscaped island they're led by a, a woman um she's very stern and very um Oh, uh, it's Elsa, right? The kind of Elsa. The chef's assistant. I she's suppose. yeah. She. I wouldn't say she's so much stern as she's just, she's just very cool. Matter of fact, like, cool. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But it's kind of she's. I guess the maitre d. Is that what we would call her? I don't know these or terms. Maybe she's the chef's assistant or something. Yeah. I don't know. But she's like one down. I below maybe yeah. she's head of house or something i don't know whatever like the most trusted or whatever of the show right yeah. exactly the right hand man um and she's cool she's great <laughs> the actress hong chow who plays her is great uh, i love her character and, and then they go into this restaurant which is where we spend most of the time and it's a seaside restaurant so one whole wall is uh, windows glass that looks out over the beach it's beautiful and then it's very minimal and kind of modern with just round tables you know in the one dining area and then behind that is the open kitchen so that they can see everything being prepared and it all looks great it's all shot great every time the staff in the kitchen is cooking they are actually cooking the actual dishes Mm -hmm. like they they were trained to do this and so it looks authentic like you said you know these shows these cooking shows are immensely popular i love them i watch them and it, it feels very authentic it looks great all right, well, they, so that's me getting the little stuff out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Well, they brought in, um, uh, you know, quite a few consultants for this who had worked on cooking shows, so, you know, to help with the photography. You know, there are moments in here where as they serve the dishes, you get these, like, close-up shots of the food with little title cards and everything, just like you get on these on these cooking shows or these travel shows. It's just mm-hmm. wonderful. And the first thing I thought of, because I've had a bit of a fascination with it, because I used to own a restaurant at one time, and so my head was really neat deep into what kind of food are we going to make? What's our menu going to be? What's our kitchen look like? You know, what directions are we going to go with it? And so, um, you know, I've seen some documentaries about this and, you know, like Noma, and I've read a lot of the news, and I kind of keep up on it just a little bit. Like I said, not because I'm I'm not really that obsessed, but I just think it's very interesting. Sure. The writer, one of the writers of the movie, um, Will Tracy, Um, said that he came up with the idea when he was in Norway on his honeymoon. And he did something similar to this, where he took a boat to this really upscale restaurant on a private island and then realized that they were basically stuck there until the meal was done. And this was like in Mm -hmm. Norway. And um, a lot of what you see, like the design of the dining room and the way the layout is and stuff is very similar to Noma, which is maybe one of the most, you know, it's been rated as like probably the best restaurant in the world. Once again, Depends on your perspective of what best restaurant's going to be. But anyway, they invest a lot of time, a lot of money, and a lot of energy into really innovating. And that, that I think, is in Copenhagen. And 
It's interesting that I think shortly after this movie was released, I'm not saying it had anything to do with the release of this movie, but just at some point late last year, um, the chef who owned Noma closed it down. And he said that this this is unsustainable. You know, he said it's stressful for everybody involved. The amount of money is crazy. And all for what? He just started to feel like morally challenged as the years went on with trying to sustain this kind of restaurant in this way. And when you see this all on the screen, you know, you can tell this is like private island. They've got their own smokehouse. They they raise their own things. I think it's funny that it, another kind of running gag through the show is that there's a Frenchish style waiter who comes by, yeah. like he's the sommelier, yeah, and he's show, showing them wine. And at one point, he, I think his he has this like strong French accent that gradually disappears as the movie goes uh-huh. on. But yeah. um, at one point, he shows them some wine, and he said, "This isn't just from a, a specific year and vineyard, but this is." from a specific vine on a specific like thing. Just really cute the way that this uh, calls to this whole culture and this very, very upscale, you know, type of experience that can only be sustained with a lot of people paying a lot of money and investing a lot of time into these things that they deem must be important to get the ultimate experience. And all these guests who come here on this boat are looking for the ultimate experience. One of them has been there many times, and uh, one of them is a food critic. Yeah. Yeah, one of them is just a movie star uh, with his assistant. That's John Leguizamo. Then there's the Entourage Boys. The Bros. The entourage yeah. bros yeah. <laughs> like, clearly got some startup going in Silicon Valley, right? Yeah. But it mostly focuses around the story of um, these this couple, Tyler and Margot. And Margot is played by Anya Taylor-Joy, who everybody recognizes from um, the, uh, the chess movie, right? Oh, God, I don't know. She's been in everything. She has um, been, especially but- since then, yeah. The Queen's she Gambit. Was, she was in The Witch. I think The Witch was her first movie. She oh, was the main yeah. girl. We saw that in the theater together, didn't we? We did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. And I think she is fantastic. She's great. Um, I, I think that she, I've seen her in a lot of stuff. She's She works a lot. But I, I think she has, not only is she very talented, but she just has, she's gorgeous, but she has just a really unique, unique. look. She has yeah. really big eyes. And I, I think uh, that that works so well in this role yeah because she sees things that other people don't see it's so <laughs> oh, stupid <look> <laughs> uh, but no it's it's fantastic she's great uh it, it was originally supposed to be emma stone and i love emma stone but i think they got the right gal here yeah um and and tyler is played by nicholas holt who's been working since he was a little boy yeah and and has is still working renfield um in the new he stars in renfield that comes out with nick cage mm-hmm. next week i think like he's he's been everywhere he's been a few <laughs> x-men i think he's beast in in, in x-men several of the x-men uh-huh. movies and things he was in mad max fury road and uh-huh. a lot of stuff a lot of stuff he's got Tons a very familiar look stuff. yeah and he's good too and he plays a really interesting character mm-hmm. um the 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 food critic is played by her name is lillian and she's played by janet janet McTeer. Um, did you watch Ozark? You probably didn't. You're not big into no, TV. No, no. Um, she was on Ozark, and she played a badass, uh, and she's good in this movie, too. The movie star, who isn't even really given a name, is John Leguizamo, yeah. who I just think is great. Yes. 
<laughs> and he is he's he's playing kind of a washed up movie star and he based his performance on Steven Seagal because he has worked with Steven Seagal and hates him. <laughs> <laughs> Seems to be a common theme with people who've worked with Steven Seagal. Yeah, right. And then his assistant, like you said, and then the older couple Richard, who's played by Reed Burney. I didn't look him up. He's very familiar. He's very familiar. His wife, Anne, played by Judith Light. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we are experiencing a Judith Light renaissance, and I am here for it. That's <laughs> like... <laughs> crazy. Judith Light. She I mean... is popping up everywhere. What is with and that? I, am, I don't know, but I think she's fantastic. She's like, always I been. I think she is an excellent, excellent actress. So I am happy to see her. We all, we of course grew up with her on Who's the Boss as Angela. Right. And and when you really go back and look at her performance, she's a fantastic actress. She's like, yeah, really good, and she's great in this too. Yeah. So she deserves a renaissance. She's popping up in TV. I just saw her in an episode of Poker Face. She was really good in that. Uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I've been seeing her all over the place and not only is she a good actress but she's really versatile she's a really versatile actress and she plays a different kind of character in this whereas yeah. usually because of her stature she's usually kind of a dominating presence she's a tall gal uh-huh yeah. and she's got a big persona too but in this she's meek and i get the feeling that she's just kind of beaten down by life mhm and and she just uh I love her. And she and her husband are like argue like they're cl- clearly like they're coming here they clearly have money but their their relationship their clearly years long relationship is a bit on the rocks. You just get these oh. hints every now and then that They've been oh, married for 40 50 years. That's what happens. It's going to happen. <laughs> no judgment here. Trust me, for me absolutely no judgment. But, uh, <laughs> that's their thing, right? Every table's kind of got their thing. Right. There's the dude bro guys, you know, who've got some thing going uh there's this guy well the thing is they've all been more or less chosen to come here they've been invited yeah right which is weird oh gosh and uh, i don't know how to go about it it's hard right and i I don't just reveals right um because Tyler and Margot, uh, there are just little things that I feel like are important. The, as, soon, as soon as we meet them, they're the first person we meet. She's smoking a cigarette. Babe, please don't smoke. It'll kill your palate. Then my palate will die happy. Hey, Margot, tonight is huge, okay? The flavor profiles, it's all super delicate. When you smoke, you ruin your ability to be able to appreciate <laughs> Come on. Them. Please. He's like, well, listen, since I'm the one paying, can you not? Um, And that's totally a normal thing to say. (laughs) But it's got another meaning. Right. Like, uh, uh, and then there's a moment there on the ferry. They're served a boat course. (laughs) okay whatever um it's just it's an oyster but it's like fancy there's like some kind of like foam on it and like some like golden caviar or whatever uh tyler pulls out his phone and takes a picture of it and goes on about it and stuff oh goes on like oh it's so pretentious like every time that he talks about food it's just the most pretentious thing he's really annoying like this one he says something like 
it's laughable. It, it it just makes me want to laugh, like it, <laughs> like in a good way. Like it, it's it's dumb. He's super pretentious, super weird, super obnoxious and annoying. You wonder. You're like, she seems cool. Yeah. Why is she with him? He seems so annoying. It's weird. But anyway, okay. So there's that setup with them. But then you're right. I guess I can kind of understand why people would say it's a little bit on the nose because you've got each table and really when it breaks it down, when it comes down to it, and I didn't come up with this on my own, but I looked it up and I don't know if it was intended, but it seems pretty, it's got weight that like there's a representative of each of the deadly sins. Oh yeah. Somewhere in that, somewhere in that that kitchen. There's gluttony, there's greed, there's, yeah, uh uh-huh. And, you know, when you read the explanation, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. That tracks, yeah. So, it's all pretty high concept, you know? And yeah, that's but that's I like the thing. It. I can see, me, I was just going to say, that's, I understand why people could say it's a little bit on the nose, but I think it's intentional. Uh, I think it's purposeful. It's like watching a Naked Gun movie and saying, well, that was really dumb. Like, duh. Yeah. That's... <laughs> Why are you watching this movie if you don't want to? I mean, that's, they're trying to be this way. So none of that bothered me at all. In fact, I thought it was a strength of the movie. Like, good for you that you can make a movie like this and get all these stars involved. Well, I think it was um, executive produced by um, Will, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it had weight behind it from the very beginning. So I think that's why they were able to get all these stars involved. But yeah, who wouldn't want to be in this sort of high concept horror movie, you know, that kind of skewers is an easy target, (laughs) you know, pretentious rich people or whatever and haute cuisine, you know. So, yeah. okay, it's an easy target. Yeah, it's very high concept. Yeah, there's all the symbolism and all this stuff. So what? I like it. That's what makes it fun. That's what I enjoyed about watching it. Yeah. If you're coming in here hoping for something super realistic, you're watching the wrong movie because it's a parody. It Right, right. It is. Uh, that being said, I mean, it's set within a world of realism. Like, yes. there, there's no magic going on behind the scenes here, uh, aside from culinary magic. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, but no, like, it could happen. But it's, it, it yeah, I mean, it's it's far-fetched. It's, it's also, you know, the fact that all of these people were specifically invited. That's, I actually do have, take issue a little bit with the movie. Now, as it, another important thing to note, I was just looking at my notes. Margot is not supposed to be there. Right. We find out when they're checking in with Elsa, Tyler had a, had a different guest, a different woman. Um, but he says something like, oh, something came up. There's a change of plans. And Elsa, like, it's not just like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. Mm, it seems like it may be an issue. Uh, but they let them in anyway take them through the barracks and get them in there. And one of the only rules, like there really aren't any rules except for one, don't take pictures of the food. And then Tyler (laughs) continues to take pictures all the time. They can see you like, and he, he kind of acts like he's doing it surreptitiously. No, everybody can see you like Elsa and the chef are looking right at you. Yeah. (sighs) But it starts out normal. I mean, it's very theatrical, uh, and the chef comes out. Ray finds and um, like he walks to the you know to the through the kitchen to the dining room, and he stands there and he claps, and the whole kitchen comes to attention. <laughs> it's very silly, oh. but also 
totally believable, especially yeah. especially in a restaurant like this, which obviously these kinds of restaurants do exist, where in part you're paying for the show. Right, exactly. Now, it, it may not be this choreographed in a lot of places, but that's part of the experience. So I get it. He's being theatrical. The well, critic who has who has been to his restaurant before says this is his deal. He, yeah. he, he's a theatrical guy. It's part of the experience. Sit back. Enjoy it. Um, and they do. Like, they all enjoy it um, at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the movie's called The Menu. And, you know, just right. like uh, with music, the album. Like, I don't know. I think nowadays not as much thought is often put into, you know, how you lay out the songs on an album, you know, what comes first, what comes... Right, right. You know, it used to be an art form to it. And I think some artists still do this. But, you know, generally speaking, you got an experience that was meant to be experienced from beginning to end when you listen to, say, Pink Floyd or even... Uh So this is the same way with these kinds of... um, high-end restaurants, right? The idea is that this whole thing tells a story or is meant to evoke a certain experience. And so every little piece of it, none of it's by accident. The whole menu from beginning to end, you're supposed to eat all the way through and experience it. And, you know, it's art. Well, I was, it is, I hesitate to say this because I do know that people are, you know, passionate about their art. And I, I, I am impressed with the culinary arts, but like the first course is the island and you know, he announces it and he describes it. And like you said, you know, text comes up on the screen, you know, in, in fancy script that uh, describes what it is. It's funny. Um, But the island, it's a single scallop served on a pile of rocks <laughs> with like with like seaweed and flowers like mm-hmm. delicately placed all around with tweezers <laughs> does yeah does it look beautiful yeah is it stupid mhm like yeah, just, it's really just dumb. give me a pan of scallops please <laughs> right <laughs> at least more than one you know, <laughs> you know it's funny i actually w- worked very closely uh, in my previous job before i i went solo I was working in a marketing uh, marketing with a guy who, and he was the head of the sales, and he's French, and uh, he invited me over to his house for dinner, and I made this joke about how, oh, what are we gonna like eat like one scallop on a spoon and all that stuff, and he <laughs> laughed. He said, "I don't know." He says. Me and all of my friends joke about why is French cuisine portrayed in shows as being this like meal that you're going to leave starving when you're done? <laughs> because it's absolutely not like that in France. He's like, we eat for three hours and we have uh-huh. tons of food on the table. And sure enough, when I went to his house for his birthday, he actually had a, a friend of his was just a French chef and cooked. And I'd never eaten so much food in my life. I could I could barely force it down by the end of the evening only because it had been like three hours spread out over three hours like you know you can drink a little bit more if you spread it out over a few hours Uh uh-huh oh yeah so uh i think it's even funny how like the reality of the way we eat gets a little twisted by these shows and these kind of experiences like there are probably people who assume that oh there are people who regularly eat this way all the time or there are people who this is the only kind of restaurant they go to or that these restaurants exist in every city you know that kind of thing but I don't I don't think that's true. I think this is very much on the edges of uh, the culinary world, you know, most. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like, if I had the opportunity, like, I don't have the money. It'd but be fun. <laughs> if, if the opportunity arose, I would totally do it. Like. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think it would be super cool. I love that kind of stuff. I love, 
I I would super enjoy sitting there and watching them work in the kitchen. Like that would be fascinating to me. So mm-hmm. I get it, but it's it's oh god, it's, it's so pretentious. It's very pretentious. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Hawthorne. I'm Julian Slowick, and tonight it'll be our pleasure to feed you. The curtain rises. Over the next few hours, you will ingest fat, salt, sugar, protein, bacteria, fungi, various plants and animals, and at times entire ecosystems. But I have to beg of you one thing. It's just one. Do not eat. Is he sure? Taste. Savor, relish, consider every morsel that you place inside your mouth. Be mindful, but do not eat. Our menu is too precious for that. And look around you. Here we are, on this island. Accept. Accept all of it. And forgive. And on that note, food. What? Get out of me! <laughs> These like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> and then, and then uh, he goes on. Like this is a long speech. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But he, he ends up saying something like, "What happens inside this room is meaningless compared to what happens outside in nature." And it cuts to Margot's face. And she has kind of a smirk. Like, I think that she's thinking the same thing that we are. Like, this guy is such a douche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she she hears something behind her and she turns. And Tyler is weeping. Yes, he's literally <laughs> crying. Tyler is the one guy in this room that has bought into everything so hook, line, and sinker. So it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, he is so into it. You, you want to oh hate this. God. He's set up from the beginning to be the guy you hate, you know? And oh, that's yeah. also quite clever, right? Because then you turns out he might be the scummiest of the guests in there. So, And he's kind of rude to her. I guess that doesn't come for a minute. The, the next course is um, the bread course. And <laughs> this part is crazy, too. He gives a long speech about bread, but mostly it's about how, like, bread is common people food. Like, it's been, you know, the source of nutrients for the common people for all this time. So you don't get bread. You're uncommon people, yeah. Yeah, you're not common people, so you don't get bread. You just get the accoutrements. And so he (laughs) serves them, like, a Bob Ross paint palette of, like, little teeny tiny dollops of, like, sauce? Yeah, just different, like, olive oil and herbs and some kind of, like, yeah, pate, (laughs) whatever like that, and all these things. And it's the food critic who looks at one of the, it's like, you know, she's, like, examining it, like, really closely and really carefully, because, you know, she's the one who's always remarking to her uh, cohort there. She's super critical about it, and she mentions that the emulsion is broken in one of the sauces, and uh, somebody overhears her say that, and so then (laughs) one of the chefs serves her a giant bowl of broken emulsions. (laughs) 
us. Huge. <laughs> it's the most. It's the first time we see something like overtly aggressive happening uh, uh-huh. in this kitchen. But it's it's a bit of a shocker, right? Well, th- that's that's kind of the first thing. But then at the Tyler, by the way, is loving it. He just thinks it's genius. And and Margot says to him, "You know that he's basically insulting you, right?" Mm-hmm. And it just goes completely over his head. You know, watching this the first time, nothing seemed out of place or out of sorts. Nothing blatantly felt like, oh, there's a double meaning right. to this. But in watching it a second time, it's yeah. so cleverly written. It because is. Things, things can be, once you know things that are revealed later, going back, you can he- you hear lines in different ways. That's right. Which I I think it's a good movie. (laughs) Like it's it's really well done. And I like the dude bro guys who are totally above this. Yes, even though they've paid for this, they're like going to be assholes. Like we're above this as well. And they call for bread. He's like, excuse me. Is everything to your liking, sir? Oh well, actually no. Thanks for asking. Um, I mean, look, the food's great, and we totally get all the conceptual stuff. But could we please get a little bread, you know, and some gluten free for my friend as well? No. 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 <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Uh, this is all very clever, and I, I didn't want to pull this card, but you know who we are, right? Yes. You do? You know who we are? I know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know we work with Doug Varick, right? No, you work for Mr. Varick. Exactly, oh, and so you know we all play on the same team, so just flip us a little bread. Please. We won't tell a soul, lady. Yeah, I promise, okay? No. Ah, Did you say no? I said no, yes. Okay. okay. Wow. Okay. That'll be all, though. Thanks. Elsa leans over into them and says, you'll eat less than you desire and more than you deserve. And then walks away. <laughs> yeah, and just walks away. Like, she is so ominous. I love her. It's so cool. They call her over, and she walks over, very professional, and, you know, how can I help you, gentlemen? And they're like, uh, can we have some bread? No. And they're like, did you say no? Yes. <laughs> so we're not getting any bread? No. Right. <laughs> like, she's just so matter of fact about it, and then she's she's funny about it later. I don't, I don't know how best to continue through this, because there's like eight courses or something. Yeah, we can't we can't talk talk about the whole thing. Right, and we learn little things. I think we're just going to have to start talking about the things that we learn as we go along. But Well, there's an old lady in the corner. There's an old lady in the corner and we find out who she is on one of the courses. I don't remember what course it is, but the chef tells this story about it's about memories or something. Mhm. He's like, one of my favorite memories uh, is of Taco Tuesday. When I was a kid, every Tuesday was Taco Tuesday, and my mom would make tacos. Um, but one day, one day, my dad came home drunk, which he always did, but he was especially drunk. And I don't know, he says he got violent or something. So he, the chef, as a little kid, stabbed his dad in the thigh in the thigh with kitchen scissors. So then he, well, the dad had tried to strangle the mom with a phone cord. So he then serves them a dish that's a curled up phone cord with a chicken thigh with scissors stabbed into it. Right. But we find out that old woman who's been sitting in the corner quietly, she doesn't say a word through the whole movie. That's his mother. uh, And she's getting drunk. Oh, but I feel like there was something else. Oh, Taco Tuesday. So they're also served 
tortillas. And he says, this is the very first time we've used this laser etching machine to, to personalize all of your tortillas. And they arrive and they are all very personal and they do reveal things, which we should talk about. But one of my favorite things is the dude bros call Elsa over again and are like, what is this? She's like, those are tortillas. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> they are tortillas delicioso. <laughs> She's just totally making fun of them. It's hilarious. Oh, my God. It's hilarious. But the tortillas reveal things. Um, Tyler's are etchings of him, like photorealistic etchings of him taking pictures of the food. Um, the elderly couple, um, it's mostly pictures of them, but there's one picture of the husband with another woman dining, I believe, with another woman, a younger woman. Mm-hmm. The dude bros, there's some like I don't know bank forms or books something or on something. Them. Yeah, uh huh. That shows that they've been embezzling or something like that. <laughs> John Leguizamo is <laughs> is is like an image of a movie he was in, like called Calling Doctor. Doctor. Yeah, something or Sunshine. Other. Sunshine. Yeah, <laughs> and it was you get the impression as he's talking about it, it was a pretty bad movie he was in. Yeah, but it, I think that part's funny because he's like he's he's proud of it. Like he's like ah, Doctor Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so basically, what we find out is that they all have secrets that's finally then there's a new course which is somebody's mess would you remember it's called the mess it's called the mess yeah jeremy the next dish is jeremy's as as a viewing audience and knowing kind of what kind of movie you're getting into you absolutely have it's 100 percent clear what's going to happen because they start laying out tarps like clear plastic tarps on the floor they pull clear plastic drapes behind the kitchen and the chef and this young chef are standing on this tarp i don't even know like i'm not sure i get the point this is the part that bothered me um just the idea of it obviously i know it's a movie obviously i know they're trying to make a point to be funny or whatever but like Basically, he stands there and the chef walks around him and says, Jeremy has always wanted to cook with me ever since he was a little kid. He finally got his chance and he came here to the kitchen and he was able to work with me because he wants to be as good as me. But he's never you're never going to be as good as me, are you? You're always going to be a lousy cook. You're never going to get any better, blah, blah, blah. Right. And as he's saying this to Jeremy, Jeremy's just like, you know, a soldier at attention. Yes, chef. Yes, chef. Right. But also he starts crying and he says, this is Jeremy's own dish of his own design the mess and then jeremy pulls out a gun and shoots himself in the mouth that was stark and right that. and it's I, like because he can never achieve what he dreams to achieve i guess just end it like well i think that you know he's got a little cult thing going here right i mean oh totally so <laughs> because you know. as it comes down to it they are there to punish all of these people they uh, are going to feed them all, and then they're all going to die there. Not just the guests, but the staff too. And the staff is a hundred percent on board. Yeah, like they're just to- they're down. 
And this is, this is, I think this is the point. Like I said, look, it's a movie, it's fine, and it's a comedy, it's a very black comedy, and this is the part where it kind of crossed into this territory that made me personally and just emotionally feel uncomfortable. Is this, this kind of shit happens. Right. This is like Jonestown. This is like Waco. This is like, uh, you know, really disturbing religious cults that do terrible things to children. Like, people get on board with crazy stuff because they have a crazy guy. And I guess we might as well say, this guy basically... Obviously, he's disturbed, but he's reached this point in his career where he feels like um, nobody appreciates the food anymore. Um, nobody appreciates what he's doing. People don't taste. Right. They don't taste. They just eat. And he's got a he's got a whole long list of grievances. And he just thinks they're all the problem. He's got a beef with his angel investor. He's got a beef with, you know, the, the industry as a whole and these rich people who he says are takers. Right. Whereas he is a giver. So he's like, we're the givers, you're the takers. Almost like these people are insatiable and nothing, he's constantly being criticized, nothing is ever going to be good enough for them, and they're just continually demanding. So that's why he's going to kill himself and everybody else there. Is it kind of final act of revenge? I know. And it like, uh, it's, it's pretty convoluted. It makes more, <laughs> it makes more sense in the, the context of the movie. Right. Like when you watch the movie, everything's doled out in a way that, you know, is palatable. <laughs> like yeah, it is. But, and I get what he's, you know, high concept. I get what he's going at with the, the givers and the takers and how, you know, the people who take the only people who, who can, who have access to his food are people who don't even really appreciate it. And because of that, he has lost his passion. passion yeah. he, he's, he's lost his desire to help people or to serve people. And that's why he's drawn to Margot. He knows right away that she's out of place. Well, first of all, Elsa tells him that she's not the right person, but he can just sense something about her uh, in the way that she stands up to Tyler in the way that um, she refuses to eat uh, some things if she doesn't want to, even though he insists. And so much comes to light. Uh, but basically what it comes to is he pulls her in the back and he's like, you're not one of them. I recognize a member of the service industry when I see one. Right, uh, exactly. And as it, it turns out, she's an escort. And again, when you go back and look at the interactions between her and Tyler, it, it no sense. longer looks like a relationship. Mm-hmm. It looks like... An, a transaction, um, and and everything that they say supports that. I mean, it's just so cleverly done. One of her clients had been the elderly gentleman, and there's a whole messed up, sad story there. No time for it. But yeah. um, he asks her, "Do you enjoy?" serving your customers and she says i used to and so they have this kinship and that you know they're both givers they both live to serve but um they've lost their passion for it and he says she needs to make a decision by a certain time he sets a an actual like egg timer or whatever and says you need to make a decision eventually whether you're going to join us on the giving side or stay there on the taking side and so much happens. Yeah. Uh, the 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 old Mary guy tries to leave, and they cut off his finger. And um, one of the for one of the courses, they take them all outside and make the men run, and they 
chase them. And the thing that I'm thinking about at this point in the movie is actually called out, which is, again, why I think this movie is so cleverly written is because I felt like it was always one step ahead of me and even anticipating what I as a viewer was going to think and then answering it in a satisfactory way. You know, and one of the things I'm thinking, like she's the only one who is, you know, just like completely not on board. He, you know, as soon as this guy shoots his, him, kills himself in front of everybody, they are all suitably shocked. This isn't such a parody that everyone goes and, oh, jolly good show, you know, like they all think this is effed up and many of them try to leave like the old guy. But yeah, he, they all sort of he's like very sort of convinced. Like, Everybody sit down. Don't worry. This is part of the menu. This is all part of the menu. And the you parse it through the what the what the critic was saying earlier and what she kind of says in order to calm herself down as well as her compatriot like look there's probably it's probably just fake like this is you know what he does he puts on a performance this is part of the performance it's all meant to evoke this emotion well she's right (laughs) but this is very real what's happening to them and you have to be stupid to not see that at some point if you're in this situation as he hangs his angel investor outside and dips him in the water all this crazy shit happens and these people more or less go along with it they're not happy about it but they they are putting up their own barriers you know what i mean it's like it's like their own there are heavies like there are a few blocking them and stuff yeah like blocking the doors and stuff but but the chef even calls this out later. This is what I'm getting to. Yeah. yeah. You know, she runs out. He gives her like um, an errand to run. So she goes out to run the errand, but she secretly goes to the chef's house, which they clearly anticipated because there's somebody watching her. But anyway, um, and she runs across an old room of his uh, looks like kind of dressed up like very sparsely, but maybe with trinkets and things from his childhood. She sees a picture of him serving a burger when he was like 16. It says like my yeah, first he was job employee or something. Of the month. Yeah. Employee of the month at just a burger flipping place and then she finds a cb radio which she calls because they don't have cell phone service on the island but she uses a cb to call for help and sure enough a boat comes by and you can see it through the window because they all have a view of the water and the chef says to all of them you'll be tempted to ask him for help to plead even this would be unwise he cannot help you ask yourselves two things one if you really want to be responsible for the death of an innocent man and two, ask yourselves this entire evening why didn't you all try harder to fight back to get out of here honestly you probably could have something to think about (laughs) and that's that's exactly what i was thinking but you know what i mean it's like there was just such a they didn't want to be rude. They wanted to think the best. And this is how people get lured into doing things or being party to things uh, or not opposing things that when in hindsight, like, were you stupid? But this happens like to people. It's like cult type oh, behavior. It it's life. It would happen to me, too. You know, and so this is the bit of the movie that just like. I was thinking about for quite a while, as much as this is a parody and as absurd as it kind of is, there is that aspect of it that's, you know, it's not actually that far out of the realm of possibility given the right circumstances. And so, and then, so then going back to that guy's suicide, like that just fucking bothered me. I'm sorry. I just like had a hard time sleeping, just thinking about the idea of it. (laughs) Yeah. I get what you're saying. I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe the, 
I don't know what the it, I want to say like the ridiculousness. It's not that ridiculous. Like it is within the realm of possibilities, and these types of things do happen. I I get what you're saying. I just think for me, it was far enough removed from reality. Right. That I I don't know whatever reason it didn't bother me as much. One of the th- okay, so when it comes down to it, at the very end, I don't remember what she chooses, but he ultimately decides, like, no, you're one of them, you know, go out, it's time for the final course or something, and she objects and says, I don't like your food. I don't like your food, and I'm still hungry. Yeah, uh, I don't like your food, and I'd like to send it back. You've taken the joy out of eating. Every dish has been an intellectual exercise, not something you want to sit and enjoy, blah, 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 blah. You failed, and you've bored me, and the worst part it is, I'm still hungry <laughs> <laughs> it's really smart actually it's yeah really oh it's smart. genius and then he's like well you're he's like you're still hungry well what do you want and she's like what do you have he's like we have everything and she says i want a cheeseburger <laughs> and a real cheeseburger not some fancy deconstructed bullshit oh and this is where ralph finds is such a good actor like you just see this like very subtle light come on behind his eyes like like this is something that he's been waiting for his whole life you know for somebody to ask him for a cheeseburger cuz he he looks at her and suddenly it's just again it's very subtle acting but and then he goes I will make you the best cheeseburger that you've ever eaten. <laughs> uh-huh. And he goes, and God, it looked like the best cheeseburger. Well, see, that- that's the thing. Oh. The way that it's, because it's filmed the same way that they have filmed the construction of every other dish. Yeah. And when you film something like that, it looks beautiful. And I think that's kind of part of the point, you know, like, I think that's part of the point that they're trying to make. Yeah. But he does. He makes her this gorgeous diner-style cheeseburger with, like, grilled onion and American cheese because she specifically asked for American cheese. And he's like, American cheese is the best cheese for a cheeseburger. Yes, exactly. (laughs) It's like like he's under a spell at this point. It's so cute. I love it. I love it. But even that, I think, is, you know, kind of comp- American cheese is, you know, everybody, the whole world looks down their nose at American cheese, which is fair because it's really not even cheese. But it is mighty good on a cheeseburger. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> it really is true. I mean, there's no better cheese. But I think that's kind of the point. Like, you know, he is as as fancy as he is. Yeah. The true artist in him knows that American cheese is the You're best right. cheese. <laughs> and that cheeseburger's amazing. And he serves it to her, and she takes a bite of it. She's like, mmm, that's a cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's great. But she's like, but, but yeah. <laughs> I think my eyes were a little bigger than my stomach. Can you wrap this up to go? And so she's got this little loophole. And this is maybe where, this is where I've seen some people are critical of the ending, because they think it's almost too clever, I don't. I disagree. I think the whole movie was was mining this, so I didn't have a problem with the ending at all. In fact, I thought it was it was very clever. I think it's very clever because I think that in the context of the movie, we're supposed to believe that she genuinely touched something in him. Yes, she and- reminded him of the passion that he felt for serving people food that they actually enjoyed, and and yeah. and I think that either he was rewarding her for being clever or. She earned her exit. Yeah, you know, like, I feel like ah, yeah. she gets it. All right, you can go. And and I thought that it was really cool that she walks out and she has a moment of pause where she looks back because she realizes that everybody else she hasn't she hasn't freed anybody but herself. They're all gonna flame up in a giant s'mores party. 
<laughs> and they all they all kind of look at her like it's cool. Go yeah, ahead. right. They're like, go um, for it, and girl. The, uh, yeah, the the older lady Judith Light even you know kind of waves her out like mm-hmm. like go go, um, and she does, and she goes away on a boat, and they start the last course, which is uh, s'mores that they pour all over the floor and drape all over the guests who just sit there. Now this yeah. is one of the weird parts. Like it almost seemed like they accepted their fate. Like mm-hmm. yeah, he's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> we all deserve. We should to die. definitely just burn up. <laughs> No, I mean, it's definitely a movie, you know, at this point. Like, I mean, it's it's a metaphor. It's a whatever. It's making it social commentary, you know. these. I didn't expect this to be realistic, you know. Cause, right. So I, I give it a pass for this. And she sits on the boat watching the island burn, eating her leftover cheeseburger, and then that's the end of the movie. And I thought that it was a very satisfying ending. And, you know, watching the, you know, they're wearing, like, chocolate caps and watching the chocolate melt down over their faces as the flames surround them. It, it looked really cool and it was yeah. a, a neat ending and I liked that, but I was two things bothered me. First of all, we didn't talk about the fact that Tyler knew all along yes. that they were all going to die. Yes. And so he paid an escort to join him knowing that she would die. Yes, that's why he's the biggest douche. Yeah, and obviously the chef doesn't like that because he humiliates Tyler and convinces him to kill himself. Well, that was my favorite part of the movie, by the way. Yeah. I laughed out loud. I, I must have laughed for a good solid five minutes. Poor, poor Tyler. The chef picks him up and he's like, you you know you know all about food, don't you? You're a real foodie, aren't you? Like, you know, you've watched all the shows. You understand. You've studied me and all that. And he, he puts him in a chef's outfit and you see Tyler like, like this is the best thing that's ever happened to him on his life. And he says, I'm going to write your name on it. He even pulls out like a Sharpie, writes Tyler on it, you know, in this janky way. And he says, Tyler's going to give us a cookie demonstration come into the kitchen tyler we're all curious to see all of your technique and so he forces everybody to wander around him and tyler is just flipping out <laughs> he's like oh, oh okay and he just like grabs a thing of lamb he's like what do you need tyler what do you need uh, uh lamb okay okay give him some lamb but well, we've got everything tyler what else do you need uh some garlic or whatever he's like oh shallots okay and then as he's looking over it tyler who doesn't know what the he's doing yeah sitting there he's like oh very interesting innovative way of cutting shallots i've never seen this before tyler thanks for teaching that to us and then what's done is like undercooked thing and it's gross it's so gross and it's i laughed so hard at this bit because you hate tyler right all the way through this like you say at this by this point you've learned that he deliberately brought her on now you kind of know why it's not just because he's bought into everything the chef's saying but he knows they're he's the only person there who knows they're all gonna die so like he's just gonna eat and eat and eat and take the pictures and do whatever but but why why is he taking pictures yeah the pictures thing is weird right like why would he do that that? doesn't make any sense you're gonna be dead at the end like I just thought it was probably just his habit, right? This is this just guy an, who just yeah, does this all the time. Kind of can't keep I mean, he, there's there's clearly something wrong with him. Like, oh, yeah. he's he's not right in the head. That that bothered me a little bit that he was taking pictures. The other thing that bothered me is I don't think that all of those people deserve to die. Now, yeah, well, the, they, they kind of call uh, that out too, though, and make fun of it. Well, right the. The assistant, the the movie star's assistant, her only sin was graduating from college without without student loan debt. That was her only sin. Yeah, that was hilarious. I guess. I mean, this is where it just got silly. It was just a joke, though. He goes to John Leguizamo, and he says, you you were in that movie. You know, you did that movie, Calling Dr. Sunshine. And on my one day off from work, when I needed nothing more than rest, I watched that movie, and it was terrible. So this is why you're dying. 
And then the assistant pipes up and yeah, he's like, well, where'd you go to college? Brown student loans? No, you're dying too. (laughs) Uh, And I, I, I guess Judith light was, you know, rich and unappreciative, but it's not like she cheated or anything. You know, I don't know. You're right. It doesn't all track. Some of it's just there just to be funny for sure. Right. And that's fine because overall, I really, really liked this movie. Oh God, I was I really looking. It. I was, I was super looking forward to it, and I was not disappointed. Um, Alan watched it with me. He found it very interesting. Offered to watch it with me again mm-hmm. uh, for the podcast. I have at least two friends I want to show this to. I, I would argue that it is a horror movie. There's oh, some sure. violence and things and that and, and things that we glossed over that we didn't mention at all. Like there's a big fight uh, between Elsa and um, Margot. Uh, yeah. A very bloody, violent fight. There's so much plot. It's very plot driven. It's very character driven. So it, <laughs> we can't do it justice at all. Even on a second viewing, you pick up on so much more. Um, it's just, it's a very good movie. I would very much recommend it. And I think that even people who are not necessarily big time horror fans uh, might still like it. It, yeah, because it's good. Because I think this captures a little bit of the cultural zeitgeist. Like I think by now most all of us are familiar with this scene because these f- movies, these shows are so popular on television. You know what I mean? I, I just think at all levels, uh, that's why I just I watched it. I loved it. I was like, this movie I felt like was kind of made for me. And it absolutely is horror. Is anybody saying it's not horror? God. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's just. I mean, yeah. it's like cult type. I don't. Yeah. yeah, I guess I don't know why I feel the need to defend it on that level because it is. It is horror. Well, it was um, nice coming into it not knowing much about it at all. Like I didn't. Yeah. Yeah, man, so much to unpack here. It's too bad we don't have that much time. Yeah, it was a good time. Well, thank you again, Craig, for uh, suggesting this, and uh, thank you guys for listening to us, tuning in another week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. If there's a movie you would like us to do, please uh, go online and just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast. You can find us on any one of our social media areas, or uh, you can join our patrons, uh, patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast, and uh, get some extra features, a couple mini-sodes every month, and influence uh, the requests that we do. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Ah.